Good morning, Hope Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, 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 good. So I got a quick, quick announcement. Um, you might have seen this on social media, but we actually have an additional, should I say, group of people that have joined our family uh, from Home Church in Scotland. So I just want to... I just want to announce, I, uh, probably Pastor Dave is watching right now, but Pastor Dave is the pastor of Home Church Scotland. They have three locations, uh, permanent locations around Scotland and many home churches that they have as well. But he and I, we just had this divine connection. Honestly, it all began with me just kind of looking through Instagram and trying to see who else has the name Home Church. Landed on the first one, it was Home Church Scotland. Decided to reach out to him, thought it'd be kind of a cool thing to be able to have a sister church with the same name. And it was weird when we connected on video and we had about a 45 minute conversation, everything that he's going through and that their church is going through is eerily similar, even down to the number of people that attend uh, their in-person services. And he and I both preached on the transfiguration of Jesus last Sunday, and we're not comparing notes. So, um, so anyway, my, my charge to him was that let's keep each other up in prayer, uh, not just as pastors, but also our churches. So if you think about it, if God leads you, please pray for Home Church Scotland. Uh, they have it a whole lot tougher than we do. Their ground is a lot harder than ours, and uh, we need to soften up that soil. Amen? Amen? All right. So we're continuing. This is the last Sunday of Extraordinary Things, and I'm really excited about this message. Uh, this message is... Heavy. Can I hear you say heavy? Heavy. heavy. So before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and read you the first section of verses that I want to open up with. If you want to turn to Luke chapter 9, you can. Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 23. Jesus said this, he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. That is heavy. Amen? And that is what he has called us to do. And that is why we're going to see extraordinary things. So if you remember the very first Sunday that I talked about extraordinary things, we talked about how we need to have the mind of Christ. That is that extraordinary mind. The only way we're going to know that mind is if we spend time alone with Him and if we spend time in His Word. The second week I talked about the extraordinary faith. The extraordinary faith that God today still does the impossible. And that Jesus said all we need to have is a small mustard seed size amount of faith to see that mountain removed and cast into the sea. And then last week, I really love last week because I believe God is saying there are times where you need to take an extraordinary step. And that extraordinary step is not to have that mountain removed, but maybe to start taking a hike up that mountain and conquer it. Amen? So this week, this week, we're going to talk about extraordinary responsibility. I mean, before we can move forward in all the things that God has for us individually and us as home church, for this community and for our lives, then we must understand what our extraordinary responsibility is as believers and actually also unbelievers. It is so important. 
And so what Jesus said is that we need to pick up our cross and carry it daily. And that cross is heavy, let me tell you. I did some research on on the cross that Jesus carried, and and of course there's a lot of speculation because the Bible really doesn't talk about, you know, how big was the cross? Was it just the cross beam across his shoulders? Was it an actual cross that he carried? It looked like the cross that we traditionally see now. Uh, It didn't talk about how much it weighs. But if you go back and research kind of Roman history and their process of crucifixion, just if it was just a cross beam across his shoulders, that thing weighed anywhere from 65 to 100 pounds alone, that piece of timber. But if you were to cross it and actually he was carrying an entire cross, that could weigh from anywhere to about 165 all the way to 300 pounds. That is heavy. So when he's saying these words to his disciples, which he is saying to us today, that responsibility that we have is extraordinary because it is heavy. So much to the point that he's telling us that we need to lose our life in order to save it. So I've got some words for you today, and I believe it's going to challenge every one of us in this room and all of us that are watching online this morning. Before we get into it, let's pray. So Father, I just want to thank you so much for everybody that's here, everybody that's watching online. Thank you so much for being here today. Your presence is thick in this room. We know that you're with us. We know you know every situation we're going through. We know that you know exactly how heavy it feels right now in our lives not just for individual lives, but also because of what's going on in this world. So Father, what I'm asking you to do is first of all, make sure that everything I say today is exactly what it is that you want me to say. And that everybody in here has ears to hear and open hearts to receive. And Father, I pray this right now in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're gonna be in Luke chapter four, starting out this morning. Luke chapter four. The best example of the person that carries a cross and loses their life, not just to save his own, but to save all of ours, is Jesus. Amen? And see, what I'm going to do, I'm going to take you on a little bit of a journey. We talked about Mount Sinai last week. We talked about Mount Carmel. We talked about Mount Hermon. Well, today... Here is a man who is fully man, fully God, the Christ, the Son, the Messiah, who is going to begin a journey. He is going to take a step to conquer a mountain, and that mountain was called Golgotha. The mountain to where he had to walk up with a cross on his back and then lose his life. And if he does it, then we're called to do the same thing. And I know what some of you are thinking, well, how? How do I do that? How do I do that if I'm a stay-at-home mom? How do I do that if I'm thinking I'm working a dead-end job? How do I do that if, if I'm just going through life and I've hit one trial after another trial after another struggle? Well, I'm gonna tell you. And Jesus is the perfect example. So when we go into Luke chapter four, we're gonna take a look at this man who is also God, who begins this journey. And I absolutely love this part because we're going to go into the part here where he is going through the wilderness. And before he even gets there, 
He gets filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, his Father, our Father, opens up the heavens and says, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Confirmation that the Messiah that was promised is here. Confirmation that he's about to start his journey to save the world. And this is where we pick up. So in Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, the subheading, if you're in your ESV translation, is the temptation of Jesus. So when Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. Here's a question that came to me when I was reading this. And this is, you know, honestly, guys, when you hear me talk about the Bible and how I read it and the things that come to me as I'm reading it, I like to share with you because I feel like it gives you kind of an inside look as how we should approach the Word of God. We should open our minds and our hearts to receive whatever the Holy Spirit wants us to hear, right? And so when I see this, man, I'm like, okay, great. So he is full of the Holy Spirit. Man, how many of us in here are full of the Holy Spirit? Amen. We are, right? So we're full of the Holy Spirit. And here he is. The Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness. You know, for us, I, I, I think we are in the wilderness. I don't think we ever leave the wilderness, if I'm honest with you. Because we go from, from one mountain to another, right? We go from one trial to another or one wilderness to another. And in this case with Jesus, it is one-on-one with the devil. One-on-one with the devil. But as Jesus leaves the wilderness, as we read here in a minute, what we'll find is the devil departs from him, but it doesn't mean the attacks stop. The devil uses people in situations to try to get him to do something that's his extraordinary responsibility, which is what I'm going to talk about here in a minute. So let's keep going. So for 40 days being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. Man, isn't it amazing when you, when you go through something like this wilderness experience that Jesus is going through, when you go through a trial and you come out the other end victorious, man, aren't you hungry more for God? Amen. Man, we should be, right? The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Verse 4, and Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. What Jesus is saying here is, I go by what's written. I go by what the word says. I stand on it. In verse 5, the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Guess what? It was all his to begin with. The devil's a liar. You know, if you're listening to something that's contrary to God's word, man, dismiss it immediately. Just dismiss it. This is what Jesus is doing as he's being tempted. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him, only him shall you serve. And then the devil took him to Jerusalem and set him up on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. See, the devil knows the word too. And he will try to use it to twist it in a way to make you do something that's not in God's will. So when Jesus answered him, 
it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. So here's the deal. We're looking at part of Jesus' life as he's beginning his journey, as he's beginning to hike up his mountain. We're beginning to see here what this temptation is. And this underscores, this will, this will highlight his extraordinary responsibility when the Bible says that we are to take up our cross and follow him daily. It's the same extraordinary responsibility that we have as the church. It's the same temptation that he faced in the wilderness that we face today. And what I'm going to tell you today is going to open your eyes. But I also believe it's going to embolden you. That's the whole point. Is that I want you to be emboldened. I want that fire in your belly to be rekindled. I want those embers that are smoldering to turn into a bonfire. Because that's what the world needs today. And that's what the world needs with Jesus back in this day. Because, because the devil saw it so much that he was willing to stand toe-to-toe with Jesus and try to tempt him to do something. And I struggle when I read this. What's this temptation? It, it, it wasn't just three temptations. It was multiple tr- temptations throughout the 40 days that he was in the wilderness. But there was a theme to that temptation. And I'm like, what is this temptation? Say with me, there is temptation. I mean, how much temptation do we have? See, Jesus came to this world to live fully as man as well so that he could experience the temptations. Although he never sinned, but he wanted to experience the same temptations that we experience. So the good news here is this this temptation that he experienced, this overall temptation, the same temptation that we experience today, he knows exactly how we feel. He knows what we're going through. And he's with us every step of the way because he said, I will not leave you nor forsake you. So he gets us. He knows where we're at. Well, here's the cool thing because in the very next verse, in verse 14, it's not going to be on the screen. It says this, and Jesus returned in power of the spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all. He was filled with power. He was emboldened after this temptation did not take hold after he defeated the devil and he starts his full-time ministry, beating back the devil everywhere he went. So as we're being tempted with this same thing, and as we're going to have this this enlightenment come to us today, this awakening, because we're not going to sleep anymore, like I said last week, amen? then this should tell us, this should give us the encouragement that we need to move forward into our Galilees. So what is that temptation? Turn with me to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Beginning in verse 39. So I know this is not Easter. But we're going to be spending some time about what Jesus was tempted to do and about his crucifixion. Because I'm just going to say this, 
this mountain that's in front of us that God is telling each and every one of us that we need to hike up, there's something on that mountain that needs to die. I don't know what it is. Like I said last week, I'm not going to go through individually and say, okay, what is it for you? What is it for you? What is it for you? I know what it is for me. The question is, what is it for you? You should know what that is. And if you don't, then you start asking God. You start examining yourself, as the Bible says. But something needs to die. So when we get to 39, this question is still blowing up in my mind. What is this temptation? So to set this up, Jesus just had his last supper with his disciples. And he's telling them about the new covenant and how to remember what he's about to do. So he's basically coming to the tail end of his journey that he began in Luke chapter 4 when it came to the wilderness. And he's getting to this point where the rubber meets the road. He's getting to this point where everything matters. He's getting to this point where the enemy of our God, the devil, is going to start coming back. Here is the opportune time. Here is the moment the devil left the wilderness and then worked through people, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, people in general, to try to stop him. He comes back again. This is that opportune time. This is where he perceives that there is some weakness and I'm going to come after him. So Jesus decides to go and pray. And in verse 39, this is what it says, and he came out and went. And as was his custom. This is daily routine, right? So we saw this with the transfiguration, how he invited Peter, James, and John to come with him to go to the mountain so that he could go pray and be with the Father, which is something as we see throughout the Gospels, he did on a regular basis, which is something we as believers need to do on a regular basis, is get away, get away from the life, get away from the world, get away from your busyness, and spend time, as should be your custom, with the Father. So this is what Jesus did to the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives, an amazing place. I've never been there. I don't know why, but God has put some sort of desire in me to get to know Jerusalem a little bit. And so I've been, I've been looking at like YouTube videos and these, these uh, walkthrough tours of this place and, and how amazing this city is and how ancient it is and the history of this city. And obviously, this is the place where Jesus is going to make his throne, boom, right there. New heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. Bam, this city is so significant. All the things that happen, the Mount of Olives overlooks this city. I, I can't imagine him going there and just praying with the Father and looking over the city. And oh, by the way, this is the place where he is going to send into heaven, and this is the place where he is going to step foot on his return. And just being there and praying and he invites his disciples as they came, and they followed him. So as it was Jesus' custom to pray, the disciples followed him, and that tells us, hey, we need to be praying more, and we need to be doing it because Jesus did it. And if he did it with this extraordinary responsibility that's weighing on him, say heavy, then we 
need to do it as well. So when he came to the place, and this is the place that he usually goes to to pray when he's in Jerusalem, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Well, what temptation? What temptation? Well, the same temptation that the devil worked on him one-on-one in the wilderness. That temptation. And how do I know that? Because listen to the next verse in verse 41. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and he prayed this. Now, before I get into this, there's a really cool fact in here. If you look at Matthew and Mark and those accounts, guess what? He brought three disciples forward with him to be close to him as he was praying. He brought his inner circle with him, Peter, James, and John, the same three that he brought up to the mount to transfigure. I thought that was pretty cool. So they're up here with him, and he's a little further ahead, about a stone's throw away, and this is what he prays. He says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. There's that temptation. Remove this thing from me because it's heavy. Say heavy. It's heavy. Remove it from me. See, I think we often forget that Jesus is also fully human. The difference between him and us is he didn't sin. We, on the other hand, are all sinners and fallen short of the glory of God, but he is also fully man. So he experienced these temptations. And he knows what's coming. I mean, he told his disciples multiple times, we can see through the Gospels, that I've come to die and to be raised. He knew what was ahead of him. He knew the time was right then and there. He knew that the devil was right there with that temptation. He knew, and I guarantee you, that devil was filling his mind with this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. Do you sure, are you sure that you want to go forward with this? And in his prayer, he's saying, remove this cup from me. But then, then that temptation, it's not working. Because what he says here is, nevertheless, Father, not my will, but yours be done. He didn't sin. He was tempted But he didn't go through with it, obviously. He would fulfill the Father's will. And in verse 43, And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. See, in one account in the Gospels, when it came to the end of the wilderness, when Jesus had defeated the devil, the devil left. There were angels that came to minister to him. That was 40 days of not eating. This was just a few minutes in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. So the weight on him, this temptation that was trying to weigh him down, he needed angels to come and minister to him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Agony. How many of us right now in our life 
feel the weight of what's happening and we're in agony. I mean, we just got through praying for some people that are sick with COVID right now. And if you've ever been through it, it is agonizing. And just when you think you turn a corner, it gets worse. There's temptation there. God, your word says that by Jesus' stripes I am healed. Uh, Any time now would be great. It's agonizing. And the more that he prayed, he prayed so hard that great drops of blood were falling to the ground. And to add more insult to injury, when he arose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them what? Sleeping from sorrow. Just like at the transfiguration, they were sleeping. But in this case, I mean, how many of us have been so down that all you want to do is just sleep? And these men, they've been through so much. They've witnessed Jesus going from the height of his ministry, which they, 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 they felt that the end was coming where ultimately the height of his ministry was really about to take off. But all they could see was their Lord and their Savior in agony on the ground in front of them, sweating blood because he was praying so hard because it was heavy, this responsibility, this temptation. And he goes to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. There's that word again. What is this temptation? It's the same temptation we face as the church today. It's the same temptation that these disciples, that as soon as Jesus ascended into heaven after he was resurrected, would have to go to the upper room and instead of angels coming to minister to them, the Holy Spirit falls on them and they are filled with the power, as Jesus said, to be his witnesses. These are the same disciples that from that point had to go forward and each one of them, one by one, with the exception of John, went to their martyrdom. The temptation is this, which is our extraordinary responsibility, which is our cross that we must carry every day, and that is not to quit. We are not to quit. We listened to Eric up here with his testimony. He went, I guess he went to the bathroom. But his testimony, if you hear about it, right, how his whole idea was, this is my life. I, I'm, I'm, I'm laying my life down for God. I'm going to follow Jesus. And so Green Bay, adios. If you ever been to Green Bay, it's the football mecca of the NFL. But yet, he left it with his family, sold everything, came down here to Broken Arrow, started this business, and then look what happened. It explodes. But the temptation was there to quit.
So how do we not quit? I'm glad you asked that question. When, when the world is caving in around us, it seems like our own house, our own places of, of escape are enclosing around us. Those walls, it's like the trash compactor in Star Wars just keeps getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And the monster in there is the devil. Our isolation, I remember, you know, Lisa and I, when we were both down with COVID, I remember being isolated in that house. Let me tell you something. The test of a good marriage is whether you can survive, not just the pandemic, but being around each other constantly for weeks. It was hard. We cannot quit. Man, I'm telling you, I'm speaking this from experience, guys. Man, you guys think, okay, well, you're the pastor of the church. You're good. You should be, yeah, you rah-rah Jesus all day long. Yes, yes, but the temptation is always there to throw on the towel, guys. I'm telling you, because it's stinking hard. We can't. We can't afford it. Youth, we can't afford it. We cannot afford to quit because as with Jesus, right here, right now, the rubber is meeting the road. This is what, this is what Jesus has prepared the church for, is right here, right now. Well, yeah, they said that during World War II. They said that during World War I, the great war to end all wars. They said that hundreds of years ago, a thousand years ago. Well, I'm telling you right now, if you can't feel it, if you don't know it, we are definitely in those last days. There's no question about it. So how do we not quit? What's the secret? Luke 23. Luke chapter 23. Before I get into that. When I was in the Boy Scouts, I told you this last week. I hiked various mountains along the Appalachian Trail in the Blue Ridge Mountains when I grew up in Virginia. And I remember we, we used to actually do backpacking. I mean, I would have on my back, I would have a tent, a sleeping bag, a, my portion of the food that I was responsible for, canteens of water. I mean, it was heavy. It was heavy. And I remember whenever we would come to the places on the, on, on the side of the hill where the, the grade was really steep that my, my scoutmaster would tell us, just lean into it. Just lean into it. And, and, and I'm like, that sounds crazy. I feel like I'm gonna fall on my face if I do that. But when you do this, what happens is the shoulder straps on that backpack come off your shoulders. And all of a sudden, not only do your shoulders get a break, but now the momentum of the weight is carrying you forward. And if you're not careful, because I did a few times, you fall. But then you got people around you that help you up. Because it's almost hard to get up on your own with a heavy backpack on your back. So they help you up. And then you just keep going and as you keep going it becomes a little bit more 
familiar and how to balance yourself. But ultimately, the weight of what's on your back is propelling you forward. You're using what is supposed to weigh you down and hold you back to carry you forward. So ultimately, I started thinking about Jesus carrying his cross. And I know this is not in the Bible, but just common sense. So as Pilate washes his hands of the responsibility, Jesus comes out of the Roman Praetorium and he's on what is referred to the Via Della Rosa, the way of the cross. And he's looking up. And since Jerusalem is built, essentially built on a, on a mountain, I mean, they carve the top of it off and there's the city. But in those days, there were a lot of, of rocky formations as everything was cut into that rock. And at the top of this way is Golgotha, the rock of the skull, where they crucified the criminals. And it was in a very public spot had to be because the Romans wanted everybody to see the Romans who had the authority to crucify wanted to see or wanted their uh, people that they've oppressed that they have conquered wanted them all to see these criminals and what happens to them if they disobey so there he is and he's He's moving forward, and the way that I envision it is, whether it's the cross beam or the full cross, whether it's 100 pounds or 300 pounds, is he leans forward, and the momentum, the weight, the sin of the world, disease, death, all the consequences of the sin, all of our sin, everybody that's lived past, present, and future, on his back. And the only way to get up that mountain is to lean into it and allow that weight to push him forward. But every now and then, he stumbles and falls. And, and I was talking to Jeff Jackson about this, and he was telling me, he was saying, that, that, that since this, this, this city was cut into rock, there, there's rocks along the side where you, you could grab and, and, and try to, to keep yourself from, from falling all the way down. And, and there's this one place, and, and listen, I know, I, I know this is probably based more on tradition, but the thought of it rings true in my mind. There's this one space along the way of the cross in Jerusalem where they actually have the wall cut out and there is a rock and there's a plaque next to it that says when Jesus stumbled this is where he he grabbed to hold on to so he wouldn't fall all the way down and I could just picture that temptation that weight that extraordinary responsibility not to quit and he stumbles and grabs onto that rock. And what he told his disciples came rushing back to him that the winds may come, the rains may fall, the storm may hit my house. 
but it will not fall for it's built on the rock. And he moves forward. He gets up and keeps going. And the weight, that responsibility keeps carrying him forward. And all he can think about is, I am not going to quit. This is the will of my father. I am not going to quit. Devil, go back to where you came from. My destiny is at the top of that mountain, and I am going to die. So what is the secret? So Luke chapter 23, verse 26 And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. One of the ways that we will not quit is because we have each other to help us carry our cross. And I look at all of you, and there are some of you in this room that have significantly, may seem smaller, small to you, but significant to me, have supported me and the staff in this church to continue to carry on that heavy responsibility. And as I was reading through this, I feel like God impressed upon me to say this, is that Simon of Cyrene helped Jesus with the physical weight, but the weight of that responsibility was still on him. See, it's easy to come in here as the church and be with each other, and we can pick up each other's arms, we can pray for each other, we can give each other a word of encouragement, we can push them forward, but as soon as you leave the company of your brothers and sisters in this room, that responsibility, that weight is on you individually. You can never shake it, and you won't until you go to heaven. So Jesus, as he leaned forward and eventually had somebody help him carry the physical weight of that cross, his extraordinary responsibility was not to quit. Because he leaned into what God called him to do. And for all of us in here, we're in different life situations. Like I said earlier, you could be a single mom at home, working from home, screaming kids in the background, and you're, you're done. I'm telling you, don't quit. Or you're at work, and you think this is a dead-end job. And God is telling you, don't quit. Or I've said, I've said over the past few weeks, there's, 
this promise in the Bible that you've been holding on to and nothing is happening, don't quit. And this is not a shameless plug, but maybe God is saying, you need to serve in that church that you keep going to every Sunday. Don't quit. Ultimately, what it is, regardless if you're a pastor, or I know there's some of us in here that work at Quick Trip, it don't matter what you're doing. Really, what we're not supposed to quit doing is following Jesus. You want to know what your call is? You want to know why you're on this earth? That's the reason why. This was not my plan to be here. This was not what I thought I was going to do for my life. I I was going to be in the military my entire life. Well, that desire got taken away. And then I went into pharmaceutical sales. Now I'm going to do that for the rest of my life. And that went away, and here I am. And I can tell you right now, this is the hardest thing that my wife and I and this staff has ever done. It's not about what you do. It's about who you're following. So... Go way back to where I read in Luke chapter 9 when I set this thing up. Jesus said, pick up your cross daily and follow me. What he's saying is, don't quit. Every day, tell yourself, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. That's your extraordinary responsibility. Well, how do I not quit? Lose your life to me. The very next part of that, those verses. Lose your life. If you lose your life for my sake, you will save it. 